Welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG. I'm your host, Brennan Carrion. This is episode 111. Today I'm joined by Gabe. What up, Leia? I haven't seen you in a hot minute. How you doing? Oh, man. Uh, I had a really rough, like, February, like, in a lot of places IRL, so I needed a little bit of space. And then the last time I was going to hop on, I ended up having a tattoo appointment that I couldn't change. But yeah. I'm back, and I am so ready to talk about rpg stuff you can ask my girlfriend i was like i gotta have the alarm up for this time i gotta have like be up for this i gotta have my coffee like all this stuff she's like oh man you're excited i'm like i am i get to talk yeah. about rpgs with my friends i'm ready I'm to talk about rpgs i love i love talking about rpgs and i'm glad that you're here with us to do it my friend welcome Me welcome too. Uh, it's, it's been way too long <laughs> <laughs> and we got ashley what up ashley how you doing hi i'm doing i'm doing fantastic actually doing great um actually i was playing in my pathfinder campaign last night and i was mixing up two of the campaigns and they're like how many are you in i was like six oh. <laughs> like I'm in six right now and two of them are pathfinders so they kept crossing over anyway so i'm my life is rpgs right now and i'm very excited about oh that. my god i'm Guess. both envious and i don't know how you handle it i <laughs> don't know how you handle it mm. and we got we got rbk once again holding it down how you doing buddy i'm doing all right just uh you know having a well, actually, it's a pretty good week. So, uh, you know, started some new things, but we'll we'll talk about that some other time. Uh, I think the video and the audio looks good and sounds good. So great. What more could I ask for on the wheels of steel? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Now, um, we have uh, this is this is a uh, part part uh, seven of six of our uh, <laughs> politics in role playing <laughs> series. We have. Decided to extend it past its uh, six episode like uh, a target goal because I mean I don't know if these are our like I don't, I don't know that we necessarily get like a lot of like love for these but it's something that we do enjoy talking about and I think it's something that's important for us to talk about and I think I think there are some other people out in the, in the RPG space who are talking about it but they, I don't know that they're talking about it in the way that we are so um, it's work that I think is important to us. It's important to our friends on Patreon, uh, which, by the way, thank you so much to our friends from on Patreon. Because this is a politics in gaming episode, we're not going to get into uh, the black hole and listing Patreon sub- supporters and stuff. We'd like to dedicate these episodes entirely to the subject matter. That having been said, we have so much support on Patreon right now. We are drowning in support from Patreon. Our listeners have really come through with a lot of uh, pledge support. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Full Metal RPG is going to be going into some really awesome directions in the next year or two because of that support. Um, And because of that, we have actually passed our first funding goal for um, our West Marches style Mork Borg game, The Rot Marches. And if you want to participate in that, I highly suggest you join our Discord community. Um, Mm. Participation is, of course, limited to patrons, but um, there will be some AP coming out that will highlight some of that. Uh, find our Discord community. We have open invites wherever it's found. Find our link tree. It's in the show notes. Come hang out with us on Discord. I've heard that our Discord is quite good. Some people have said that to me. I'm not on a lot of Discords. I do spend a lot of time on ours. I've heard it's quite good. So please come join us. Role play with us. Thank you for your support. On to the episode, which which this is kind of a heavy episode, right? Um, 
I think it deserves some gravitas, so I'm not going to do the thing that I do or make a bunch of pithy remarks. Start right off with some kind of heavy, heavy thoughts. So if you're kind of like, you know what, I kind of wanted to hear about what role-playing games are good and which ones suck, I don't want to hear some heavy shit right now, then that's okay. Maybe come back later. Maybe skip this one. Those are all those are all fine and okay um, alternatives. But today what we're going to actually be talking about is... Uh, sort of the positioning of um, police officers and like, and, 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 and on really at some level, like law enforcement officers in general on a scale that goes from local all the way to say like international. Right. Um, and how we relate to those roles as role players in an era where people's opinions about policing and what policing means and what the effects of good policing are and look like, like what that means, you know, um, one of the th- kind of ideas that we struck on right away in the first six of these episodes is we were talking a lot about, um, how role-playing games tend to kind of come from genre fiction. They emerge from genre fiction. And I think it's just really important that we take a second and sort of acknowledge that uh, the police officer as the heroic protagonist has been a part of the American landscape of genre fiction for a really long time now, much longer than anybody who's on this podcast has been alive. Um, It's become an archetype that is so ingrained in our film, television, novels, short stories radio plays back when that was a thing that it's almost an archetype that we kind of take for granted. Right. Um, but this wasn't always the way it was in the early part of the 20th century. I'm not certain if you guys know this, but the police as an archetype were actually kind of like heels. They were like buffoons or they were noted for their kind of corruptness they were seen as like as uh, characters that were like antithetical to the protagonist characters. And it wasn't until the mid 20th century that there was a concerted effort by Hollywood to reform the vision of what a police officer is and was and what police work looked like inside of popular media okay so i'm gonna take a real real quick second and i'm actually gonna cue something up from um wikipedia because my uh my uh ex-wife she put me onto this thing when we were in college she took this she took this class about like latin studies like like latino latina studies in america she was she's a latinx person i'm sure she just uses the latinx at this point I don't know. I don't. I don't speak to her anymore. But she got me onto this. She was reading this book about how uh, the television show Dragnet was actually produced as a essentially like a propaganda television show to influence people's opinions about the notoriously racist, notoriously corrupt Los Angeles police department. And so if you get into just the, if you go onto Wikipedia, I don't know what book she was reading, what academic book she was reading at the time, but if you even just go onto Wikipedia and you look up police procedural, you will come upon the following paragraph. So if you'll indulge me for just a second, it says, Dragnet marked a turn in the depiction of the police on the screen. 
Instead of being corrupt laughing stocks, this was the first time police officers represented bravery and heroism. In their quest for authenticity, Dragnet's producers used real police cars and officers in their scenes. However, this also meant that in exchange, the LAPD could vet scripts for authenticity. The LAPD vetted every scene, which would allow them to remove elements they did not agree with or did not wish to draw attention to. Okay? Now, here we are. It's 2021. People have been watching fucking cop shows for something like 70 years that have all been based on this formula of we need to present police work as intrinsically honest and intrinsically right and good and orderly and according to the law and not racist. We have an entire culture built around this idea now. How does that reflect in role-playing? React to me. (laughs) Uh, I think it... it it uh, is very much intrinsic to, you know, because like one of the first role playing games most kids played, at least in the last century, was cops and robbers. Right. There was always like an argument over who and I'm sure people don't kids don't play cops and robbers anymore. I mean, I mean, maybe they do, but like, you sure. I don't know. I don't really know any kids, but I suspect they probably do. Well, you know, the. I think this is a lot of the fifties influence, which we can blame a lot of things on the fifties. So there's that. Uh, but I think, uh, a lot of the, um, a lot of role-playing game tropes kind of, kind of weave their way in from those, uh, the antagonistic cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians, uh, no rules. Oh, you're dead. No, I'm dead. Now we, now we have a, a system to determine who is dead. So like, there's, <laughs> like, oh, I caught this person. Like, well, you know, did you really? You know, th- there's, there's a lot of reasons why that doesn't uh, work. But I think that's why it's intrinsic, is it kind of comes from those no rules imagination games um, that people were playing. That like, makes sense. Um, so last year, I don't know if you guys heard about this, you probably did, but Paizo was releasing an adventure path called Agents of Edgewatch. Are you familiar with that? I am not. Okay. More. So basically, the concept behind this was you were going to be the young plucky recruit into the um, Agents of Edgewatch, which is like their city watch. So you're going to play a cop. like, And they released this in the middle of 2020. <laughs> June of 2020. Nice. So, oh, nice. Yeah, great. Perfect timing. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's timing. Yeah, that is some timing. So um, the his name is Eric something, I want to say, is the publisher for Paizo. And he actually released an entire apology before it even came out and said, we've been working on this for a few years now. The idea behind it when it started was going to be the detective noir type thing, not not a cop. So um, his exact statement was it was going to be a classic detective story, not militarized police power fantasy. So he put out a statement before it was even released saying, like, these are the types of players that are allowed at our tables. These are the types of players that are not. And uh, they ended up putting a a portion of proceeds. I don't know how much it was, went to the um, NAACP Legal Defense Fund. And they put Starfinder, which is one of their biggest properties that they have into a humble bundle that also went to a bunch of different things like the legal defense fund and 
that. So he said that they'd been working on it for a few years and they couldn't afford to not release it, basically. But he wanted to make sure, like, state in no uncertain terms that this is what it was for. But when I was reading that, it kind of made me start thinking about what, where, where does the line get drawn between cops power fantasy and like the detective noir type stuff. Cause I can see how those would kind of blend into each other. Well, I mean, I think that when you, when you look at like the history of the police procedural, they're like mm-hmm. clearly related genres, like the detective novel, the Sleuth novel has its, has its uh, origins going back to the 1800s. And mm-hmm. um, the like, professional detective amateur detective or group of sleuths genre kind of goes from the victorian era and then it like leads up into the early 1900s and in about the like kind of mid 1900s after sort of the noir wave you start finding the whole like and and, and this again this is a this is a direct reaction it my the way, the way that my ex-wife put it when she was reading these books is that the, the the thing the thing in wikipedia made it sound kind of soft like the guys at nbc or whatever like hey we want to make a show and we want to use some cop cars but it's it was it, it's, it's my understanding that there was a there was a, a collaboration between the two of them because the lapd knew that they were considered racist and they knew that people didn't trust them on the streets and they needed someone to go out there and tell a story that said uh you can trust these guys, and that's why Joe Friday's thing is just the facts. Just the fact. We don't, hey, don't no, don't corrupt my it's, investigation with your with your opinions. I need facts. You know what I'm saying? PR. It was PR. That, is what that it show is. is just straight up dog shit too. That show is <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like Hot even take. Hot take. <laughs> my girlfriend and I were talking about it last night. Like, oh, there's seriously? a Simpsons. Yeah, there's a Simpsons episode that uh, mirrors uh, Dragnet and Thelma and Louise. Like. Mm. very roughly like using you know, all simpsons will like pull in references and shit and right. i was like is that is that end title like the dragnet card she was like yeah and i'm like man that show is terrible <laughs> <laughs> that's a different discussion but but oh, yeah honey. but so these these elements are directly designed to kind of propagandize like a mm-hmm. friendly attitude towards law enforcement and if you look at the noirs that you're talking about ashley they actually have kind of a dim view on policing Right. Like, yeah. if you read Raymond Chandler, he does not get along with cops. Cops don't get along with him. Uh, there's definitely this concept inside of those novels that he operates in, an, in a space um, between criminals who are pursuing an agenda and between cops or who are pursuing a separate agenda. But the cop agenda isn't like truth and justice, man. It's like it's really kind of like what Snoop Dogg wants us to believe which is the, the cops are sort of a gang and they have their own operation going on and you shouldn't fuck with it too much. Cause then they'll fucking they'll, 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 they'll kick your ass, you know? And I'm, I'm certain Raymond Chandler gets his, his, his uh, Philip Marlowe gets his fucking ass kicked by a cop at least once in the, in those books. It, listeners, if I'm wrong, find it for me. Yeah. Well, if you, even if you look at Sherlock Holmes, right, which is the most famous, uh, detective investive, yeah. invest, investigator pretty much of all time. Like he, fucking hates the cops he thinks they fuck everything up like (laughs) you know it's it's only it it, it's the the detective usually you know there it kind of gets twisted over the 20th century as coming out of noir it starts to get twisted into this like oh well i was too gravelly and badass to be a cop so now i'm outside the law doing you know (laughs) yeah it becomes this vigilante thing which comes Mm -hmm. out of noir but it's also you know well, 
there's actually a turning point where that expression of the cop kind of uh, hits popular culture, and that's uh, when the Dirty Harry film comes out. The first Dirty mm. Harry film starring Clint Eastwood, who now we know has this like incredible catalog <laughs> of like hyper conservative reactionary movies, yeah. right? But this idea of the cop who's like beyond the law, man, he's like seen too much and he's just going to go out there and he's basically just going to start depriving people of their Make civil rights day. because <laughs> fucking civil rights are what's holding us back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I mean, just like this, like subtle, but super racist agenda. <laughs> yeah, incredibly. And it, it, these are films. And then Gran Torino from- comes out and it's not subtle racism anymore. Oh it's yeah. yeah. Out there. So <laughs> I, uh, go, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I think um, because I I did a lot of thinking like before we did this episode on like, where is exactly the line that I'm like, "Eh, that's not necessarily a cop thing. And it it came about because I recently picked up um, Call of Cthulhu. uh, I think it's Down Darker Trails. And -hmm. one of the classes and stuff is sheriff. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So like me and like three other buddies that are like, February 14th isn't Valentine's Day. It's Arizona Day. Like, that's how much we love this state. Um, I was like, oh, this would be perfect because we could do like a Southwestern Cthulhu thing. That started making me think. And I think it's like, I, and I'm sure this will probably change as we talk more and more and more. But like, I think the idea of like the old, like the old Wild West when it really was like the Wild West. And it's like, who's the sheriff in town? And it's like, I don't know. Is so-and-so still alive? All right, cool. He is. Like, just the, the guy that like, decides to kind of make it his job to kind of police the town and like, just make sure everyone's safe. Like that's cool. But like, I think at, at there's a point at which it becomes a fraternity and it's like, Hey, we pretty much have control of this town. Let's just like reap the benefits and shake people down and basically become mm-hmm. almost like a mob. I think when it's just like, if you're playing as like people that are just protecting the town against like Cthulhu monsters or ghosts or whatever the hell you want to throw in, I think I'm fine with that, but again, that's I, I don't know if I'm taking a step like a way big step forward or I, I just I just feel like embedded in your conversation just now, your statement, there's these words that show this bias that has been built into us as to how we perceive ah. these organizations, these institutions, right? You say the guy who has taken it upon himself to protect, and it's like if you look at Tombstone, right, and we talked about Tombstone in our Westerns episode, <clears throat> the difference between the Earp brothers and the Cowboys, which was their rival gang, is right. that is 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 that Wyatt Earp went to Hollywood and had a bunch of movies made about the noble and pure intentions of him and his brothers, right? The 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 actual personalities of the people who were involved in those two groups were very similar. They were both, neither one of them was particularly altruistic. They were both like, uh, essentially sociopaths who didn't mind getting what they wanted out of violence. Hmm. It's just that Wyatt Earp and his brothers decided to get like a judge to say, Hey, you're marshals. Now you guys get to wear stars. So yeah, you own the monopoly on violence. You can exercise it against Johnny Ringo or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Um, Mm -hmm. so, 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 Hollywood in that case has built an implicit bias in us towards these 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 authority figures and then Dragnet does the same thing and that goes all the way down 
to fucking Law and Order, fucking CSI, shows that you just kind of mindlessly watch, and you're like, uh, yeah, man, Gil Grissom, he's going to make sure my DNA is like, exonerates me. You or, know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, like I mean, you can even like pull it forward when it's like you're watching like, I don't know, like what's that fucking bullshit show where it's like both of the people are hacking at the keyboard? I, I don't know. It's like one of those like CSI <laughs> shows or whatever. And it's like, oh, no, this hacker's hacking into the Federal Reserve and he's siphoning it from all the money. Let's stop him. And I'm like, no, fuck that. Like, let him do it. <laughs> Screw it, that. NCIS. Breakfast of Champions. NCIS. My mom's favorite show. I would love to do a YouTube channel just called Brendan Watches NCIS with his mom because her NCIS are fucking hilarious. And they're so lit. Anyway. I guess what I'm getting at is... And, and I, I'm understanding and acknowledging everything you're saying. I just want to say I'm not just trying to be like, oh, I'm blowing you off. But Let's I think exchange of ideas. Let's exchange them. Right. So I guess my next question for that point would be, is it necessarily not cool, I guess, to want to play those cowboys defending their town against like Cthulhu stuff? Like, would you yourself be like, OK, with that and like play like, you know, the, the marshals or whatever fighting against a wave of like tentacle boys? This is seriously the crux of what we've come here to talk about today, yeah. which is which is OK. So this summer, amidst the madness of the George Floyd riots and right. the anger of marginalized communities at the way that they're policed and the fact that for like for once, like white people were waking up to the fact that this stuff is happening because they're seeing it uh -huh. on video. I mean, we saw it on video when it happened to Rodney King, but people People created a story where they're like, right, well, that, that dude had it coming. And it's just like, finally, we had white people who were watching videos of a crime being committed against a person, right? A random person. And they were saying, no, that's not okay. Like, like what, this is what's going on. This is what it's, what, this is what it's like in the daily life of a black person. You have to walk down the street wondering if maybe you, if you do something wrong, this could happen to you. That's not okay. And Even if you don't do something wrong, you could just be standing there in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, I yep. guess what I mean is if you make the wrong move, if you make the, mm -hmm. if you, if you make a move that somebody perceives right. in, in a yeah. particular way, then you're in fucking, you could lose your life. You could lose your mm -hmm. life for that. And, 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 and we live in the same cities on the same planet next to our black friends co-workers neighbors and relatives but we do not live in their world you know what i'm saying and we're getting some views into that and uh during that time i chose to buy delta green <laughs> i was like I was, cool. gonna, I was gonna bring that book up at some <laughs> point <laughs> i was like i should play delta green with my friends <laughs> and so i started reading this and i was like this is cool this is a cool game it's neat it's got a bunch of shit in it that like it, it reminds me of other games i like like for instance dark conspiracy you know it's it's, 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 it's these are just like classic tropes that like i kind of i kind of want to do this stuff it's like it's it's kind of neat and fun but then I uh, bought a module for it, and the module was all basically just about like, okay, your FBI agents and they're the local law enforcement guys are kind of making a, you know, they're they're fucking up this investigation. So you're sending you in, and you're gonna figure out the real supernatural shit. And every page was like, investigate the scene, uh, interrogate the witnesses, correlate ideas, and I was like, oh shit, fuck, man, I'm playing a bunch of cops. These are just straight up, these are straight up cops. <laughs> Yeah, like 
do I really want to go to my gaming group and be like, hey, guys, let's play cops. And I thought to myself, no, I kind of don't. That sounds super shitty. But what does that mean that it sounds super shitty? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was playing playing, uh, uh, Eternal Lies last summer, and my character was a New York City detective. Like, I I was Mm -hmm. like, I mean, we were... (laughs) We weren't in New York City, so I had no power. <laughs> like, you know, literally. But she was also. It was interesting that that was a. It was a female detective, who special, who was basically on the sex uh, abuse uh, uh, end of things in the 1930s. So it was. It was. It was interesting, but also it didn't really come into play. So it didn't really like make any sense why they made this character like drag them into like oh we we need somebody that was. Um, but it really, you know, I, I seriously had thoughts like, well, maybe I shouldn't be playing this character anymore. But then I was like, well, I'm not, we're not, I'm not on the beat. I'm literally just another like investigator, Cthulhu investigator. I just happen to be good at investigating. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was real hard to, uh, uh, try to, grapple with the idea like i you know i wasn't really a fan of cops beforehand but like none of the other characters were very interesting to me in the pregens because we all just picked pregens and i was like well this person at least had some kind of like connection to people and was like at least you know good at investigating so i was like well because because she was the only female cop on the new york city police because we're playing in the 1930s so there's like right uh and uh, and she would help uh, the you know the victims by being like the the you know somebody they could actually talk to, uh, and that was kind well, of. But I, I think I think you're hitting on something here, dude. Which is one of the ways that our suspicions about institutional authority and its abuses have been assuaged by the same media that is also propping up these institutions, right? And that is the this archetype of the inside man, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna, and this is a, that's gendered language, obviously. The inside person, okay, which is like, well, the institution of policing is bad, but there's this one good cop, and his name is Mulder, and he lives <laughs> in the basement. <laughs> in those cold cases. No, don't. Don't don't do that to Fox Mulder. He's got sweat running down his brows. He's out there. He's trying to find the truth, and he's the one. It's and out I there. Think, I think when you're playing Delta Green, I think that they kind of want you to maybe see yourself that way. But I also kind of get the feeling that the people who wrote Delta Green are kind of like institutionally very uh, enamored with the institution of policing. I think they're very kind of, because, because the way that those books are written and the way those adventures are written are very soft towards them. Gabe, go ahead. I interrupted you. What do you have to say? Oh, no, no, no. You're good. Uh, you saying the, the enamored with like being the, uh, the inside, like lone wolf kind of a thing reminded me of, um, and this is before 2020, this is probably like three years ago. Um, I was talking about uh, RPGs with a buddy of mine and he was playing GURPS and I was like, oh, that's cool. At the time they're doing like paranormal ghost hunting kind of a thing. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, yeah, we're running the campaign down and the next we're going to do like an army one. I was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, we're going to be Navy SEALs in GURPS in Vietnam. And I was like, 
Ooh, <laughs> why would you want to play that? Like that's <laughs> that's like whoever wrote that. That's like very much like the lone wolf kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot more of those that we just really haven't passively thought about, like where they're coming from because of the thing that you said, where it's like we're kind of like entranced in this media and this fiction. Uh, I mean, fiction, I guess that's up for debate. But for me, it's fiction of like how like all cops are fine. All wars are justified and shit like that. And it just like that reminded me of that, that Vietnam campaign. Cause it's like, I feel like most people, if you really read about Vietnam and, you know, took more than like an hour to just read the Wikipedia entry, you'd realize like, we were the baddies. (laughs) Is that like, that was not a cool time. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's some kind of apocryphal thing that has surfaced recently that says that George Lucas's uh, impetus to write the Star Wars movies was to write about Vietnam from the perspective of the um, the Vietnamese, right? Yeah. Um, and I and I think that, I, I mean I don't know about that. I think there's definitely something to that. I mean, this gets back into our discussions about like empire and like uh, capitalism, manifest destiny, the, mm-hmm. the nature of like like what does authority mean and the responsibilities that come with it. I think when we kind of go back to Fox Mulder and we kind of go back to the idea of like the, the rogue cop, the renegade cop, right? This, this, this idea gets kind of presented to us in a couple of ways. We see the dirty Harry style cops who are outside the institution of policing and who are prosecuting a, um, uh, uh, this vigilante justice, uh, destroying people's civil rights. But then we also have the kind of myth of the cop who is working inside the system, saving the system from itself. And that's an important myth that people who are in positions of institutional power have to keep us believing in. We have to believe that even if we think that the institution itself is corrupt, that there is someone inside of it who will use their personal leverage to somehow be our champion inside of the system. When what we know from like literal like science is that institutions actually affect people. People don't change institutions. Institutions change people. And so when, mm-hmm. you know, when our, when our detractors go on and leave uh, fucking, you know, uh, reviews for us and they're like this uh, critical race theory baloney. And it's just like, but that, but that is, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, detractors. But if you, if you read the Stanford prison study, I'm sorry, like mm-hmm. institutions change people. So this idea of like, Oh, there's that one cop who's going to redeem the FBI, you know, well, most I, I, media, yeah, most media ahead. has that. Like, oh no, you're okay. Um, you're very passionate about this. I totally expected this to be a big thing. Um, so, <laughs> most media has the special one. You know, the one that's going to come in, and that's who they want you to relate to. They want to make this a relatable person that is like the chosen one who's going to go out and affect change and all of that. But when it comes to, so I get that. And the whole plucky recruit that wants to come in and make things better. Um, so one thing that I don't think you guys knew, um, my grandpa was a cop. He was chief of police in the town that they lived in. And so I grew up hearing from my dad that he did not trust cops (laughs) because he saw as he was growing up, the people who would be there. Do I want to think my grandpa was a good person? Yeah. I never met him. He died before I was born, but, um, 
odds are uh, he was not that one, you know. So the people that he hung out with that were over, my dad grew up seeing them as humans and as people and the type of people they were. And then knew that they were the police force for the town that he lived in. So he was like, the, the type of people who are drawn to that type of profession are generally people who want to be in some sort of power over people. So I grew up having kind of a healthy, healthy distrust of police officers for that reason. So is, is there humans and the types of humans that are drawn to that type of profession are generally the ones who are going to use that to have power over people, which is generally not a good thing. I think uh, the it, it kind of comes back. You you said the words monopoly of violence, right? Yes. Uh, and and that uh, role playing games is at least initially was framed as you know being player characters. You kind of you know you kind of like you could do whatever you want. So like people that played this kind of game were typically into you know they were young uh, people, usually boys, who were like into you know, solving problems violently. Like that was a fun idea. And that was like, Oh, that's cool. And, and the monopoly of violence, it's sort of like the cops sort of act like player characters would a lot of times like, Oh, I have all of the, I have all the authority I could ever want to do whatever the fuck I want. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's no, it's no coincidence that, Please kind of act like player characters because they have all the the, the authority and the kind of monopoly of violence that they could mm-hmm. ever want to do the thing uh, to get to fix whatever they think is wrong. You you uh, can drag and drop and it it still works is is essentially what mm-hmm. it is. Like you can take the the elf, the wizard, the cleric, and then just replace it with like okay, these are three Phoenix PD cops, and it still fucking works. Yeah, (laughs) when you and your friends are the ones that are going to make the law, uphold the law, whatever, like you can do whatever you want. Your friends are going to cover for you. So that's how you get that monopoly on violence. Here's here's a here's a here's something. When you talk about the institution of policing, people want to talk about the uh, the bad apples theory, right? Like, oh, there's just a few bad apples. And it's kind of like the law of averages, right? Like uh, it's almost like confirmation bias, like. You hear about the bad apples because they're mm-hmm. the ones doing bad apple shit, right? But let me ask you this. <clears throat> At any workplace you've ever been, right, has there been like a clique of people who you knew were kind of like taking too long lunch breaks and like maybe like pocketing like product or something or or doing something that was that you knew that you knew was like unethical you knew it was deeply unethical and you were just like and you were like whatever but you knew who the people in that in that clique were right am i right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah sure at every workplace Mm -hmm. now we're talking about a workplace where that clique of people goes around oppressing minorities beating people up depriving people of their civil rights literally committing crimes with the uh with their badges using their badges to commit crimes and unlike us who are like oh well we saw someone so like grab a snickers bar like whatever i'm not gonna fucking narc out somebody for grabbing a snickers bar but these other cops this is the barrel of the good apples they don't do anything to stop this click. 
They don't do anything to stop this rotten apple gang that is inside Mm -hmm. of their mix, which means that they are part of the institution that supports them. They are part of that problem. They, they buffer them from, uh, uh, retribution by the system because, and, and there's a lot of talk about like, well, Oh, we know that if we go to internal investigations, investigations is going to turn the light on us and stuff. And it's like, okay, that's all fine. I get that the system itself has these intrinsic biases and, uh, and, and, and is designed to create certain outcomes. But at that point, you have to ask yourself, why are you still part of that system? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Y- you can quit, dog. <laughs> you don't have to be part of the fucking paramilitary force that is designed to enforce the, the line between where the brown neighborhood ends and the mm-hmm. white neighborhood begins. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to wake up every morning and do that, but you still choose to, which means you're part of the problem. Um, it's kind of speaking to that. My, I'm, I'm white. I'm a white person. And I, um, wait a minute. What? No. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Just to clear really? that up. Yes. Ashley Smith. Uh huh. So, uh, my, I, in a, in a previous life, I was married. Um, my last name was not always Smith. I was married to a man from Mexico. And I never really had, I mean, I had my dad's stories of growing up with police officers around and all of that. So I had my thoughts on things kind of, but I never actually saw it until me and my ex-husband were driving. I had taken him to the river, I think, or the lake or something. There was something I wanted to show him out there. And it was just a really nice day. We were driving back and we got pulled over by police officers. And so I was just like, oh, you know, whatever, it's fine. Just give them your ID, get along the way, it's fine. So they pulled us out of the car, made us sit separately on the side of the road out in the middle of the desert. We weren't around civilization. So thinking now this could have gone very badly and no one would have known because we were out towards like the lake and the river. There was not a lot out there. They made us sit on the side of the road. They had two cops asking us questions. He called for backup. So there were two cop cars. We were sitting on the side of the road asking questions separately and they were tearing his car apart. Like they took out the the stereo deck on his car to look at it. They were looking everywhere. And I'm just like, what's going on? And um, my ex-husband was just kind of like, just let it happen. (laughs) Like, just don't say anything. And then, you know, we can talk about it later. So when, uh, I mean, we were there for probably half an hour, just sitting out on the side of the road while they looked through every inch of his car. And uh, when they finally gave me the keys to drive back, by the way, they told me that I could drive his car. They gave his car keys to me and made me drive away. Uh, that he matched the description of someone who had been stealing stereos out by the river. And so when we got in the car, he's like, well, I'm a Mexican and a blue Honda. So, of course. And I was like, that's ridiculous, though. So just the fact that I have never been treated like that since. I was never treated like that before that. And I've been I've done some shady shit. Like, my ex-husband was actually a pretty decent person when it came to that kind of thing. Um I've never had to deal with anything like that except for when it came to him because they were, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's gotta be a race thing. Oh, right. Because you matched the description, which is like the most, I mean, that's the, that's, right. that's, the, that's the lamest excuse in the entire exactly. world. They, they all, they all, and, and, and it's the one that they deploy. Like, uh, yeah, it, it, it builds into the sort of like confirmation biases, the, uh, that accompany the system, like the kind of just the, the nature of like the Karen, you know, that we've seen also in video that we've seen mm-hmm. for a couple of years on video, like these, you know, these white people calling the police on black people for just doing something like, Oh, you're, mm-hmm. you're in public and you're having fun. 
Yeah. Makes You're me existing angry. in my area and how dare yeah. you be here and be present in my area. Yeah, exactly. And I think that we, you know, we start, we start really seeing what the, um, real fucking, you know, uh, uh, function of these structures is, which is to, you know, enforce segregation, right. Mm-hmm. To enforce class and to protect property, right. Because, because, uh, the police are are worth nothing if they're not worth, uh, you know, drawing some kind of line where where like, oh, these are the businesses we protect. And then over here is just kind of like, you know, whatever. Do, do, do what you want over there. Richard, I see you're I see you falling back exasperated. What? what, 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 what oh, OK, so I got some I got some feedback from uh, from Discord and from Twitch so, uh, people watching us on Twitch and uh, still on Discord. Uh uh, the the thing that made me kind of uh, fall back was uh, Kirby on the Discord says I want to know ex- uh, definitively from the experts here on Full Metal RPG why cops are so soft and tender when my social worker friends get assaulted regularly and always manages to uh, de-escalate the situation and in that same vein what is the best way to prepare and cook such tender pork <laughs> anyway uh, uh, <laughs> and then uh, then I got. Uh, Nolan Nolanda over here in the Twitch is like the two myths we're talking about with the uh, are actually really interesting, showing very little faith in institution policing. Dirty Harry acts like a vigilante because the authors are expressing the idea that the institution is constrained by rules and about civil rights due to process preventing them from serving. Meanwhile, uh, Fox Mulder is a lone truth seeker in a corrupt institution. Seems that they're both negative impressions of the uh, institutions general. And also, and this is something that I was going to mention was the Stanford prison study has been debunked completely as a face fake. So has it? Yes. Oh, this is new to me. So you'll have to look into it, but it has been debunked completely. Oh, no. So that was, that was, uh, well, a lot of people have studied it and studied and found out that they basically faked a lot of shit. Oh, for a Stanford prison study. Come on, bro. But I I think the point stands that the institutions do change people. It's just maybe not in the radical way that the Stanford prison study might have shown. Stanford Prison Study is always a good shorthand for me when I'm trying to talk to people about this. People often know what it is, and it's like a simple thing that you can look up and you can read about. So it's a real bummer that I've lost that rhetorical point. The truth of it, I I think the fundamental truth of it, as you just said, still stands. Uh, When I was in college, that Marxist institution, liberal college, um, (laughs) you you bastard. (laughs) I know. You can tell I've been in it paid for such a terrible institution yeah (laughs) at that point joe rogan was on fear factor guys i was watching fear factor every night he was just making people eat bugs at that time he wasn't educating the masses if only i if only i had gone gone all right guys i gotta go (laughs) i could have saved so much money by just listening to four years worth of joe rogan Anyway, um, oh, fuck. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> fail, fail, Marxism fail. Anyway, so, uh, uh, where, 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 where was I going with this? Um, when I was in college, I had, I, I got a political science degree. I have a political science degree. And one of the, uh, uh, classes I took was about political institutions all over the world, uh, in terms of lawmaking bodies and authoritative bodies and stuff. I thought it was interesting. And, um, on the first day, the teacher is never this. This is one one of the college one of the college 
experiences I had that left an indelible mark upon me as a person, very formulative. The teacher, he walks in, he writes on the blackboard, he writes, institutions breed incentives, okay? And then we're, he's like, read what it says. And we're all like, institutions breed incentives. And he goes, all right, I need you to read it again one more time. Institutions breed incentives. And then the entire class for that entire semester was going through, well, here's how parliament works. Here's how first past the post voting works. Here's how uh, winner takes all voting works and what that means, right? And he goes, here's here's how countries that make sure that election day uh you have the day off from work here's the results that you get out of that compared to a country like america where you don't get the day off of work to go vote right what what incentives does this institution breed and how does it affect the outcomes and at the time i was like oh wow politics right 20 years later Whenever I pick up a role-playing book, I think back to that political science class. I think to myself, what incentives do the institution of the die rolls, the institution of the classes, the way the skills are set up, the way the powers are set up, the way the experience point system is set up? Experience points. That's the institution that drives a lot of this. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Uh, What incentives am I being given by the text? Um, and so, so this idea that somehow, uh, uh, institutions are not generating outcomes in the world is boggling to me as though everybody just wakes up in the morning, has their own ideas and just walks around committing 100% of their own ideas, never being influenced by the institutions that surround them constantly. Does that make sense? It does. Um, I think that we, those institutions have kind of come into being, you know, uh, placeholders for to to make behavior <laughs> in role playing games move in a direction that this that the designers want that the game masters want that to, to emulate Absolutely. the genres right. Absolutely. So people are sometimes people are like sometimes people are like I, I get this a lot when I talk about role playing games. I say D and D is a terrible game for role playing. And it's it, there's nothing in that game that actually incentivizes role playing. And they go people will like the the critical role generation they'll like jump up and they'll like pound the table they'll be like i've had such great times role playing D. of course it makes you role play it's the best role playing game there ever was and i'm like homie my friend uh i'm glad that you had a good table and i'm glad that you had a good gm and i'm glad that you had a good series of sessions yeah but there's nothing in the book that makes you do that nothing you don't need the book at all throw it out just barely implemented an incentive in 5e after how many years to like role play and even then it's not mandatory which is just like inspiration like look at you hey. bust out bust out your character sheet bust out yeah. your D 5 character sheet and tell me what on there you're supposed to role play yeah you're it doesn't actually yeah it's and, and that's the There's thing nothing. too is like it's that incentive is just barely there with inspiration and it's it's still up to the dm you know but you have yeah. other systems too like for example, I've been playing a lot of masks lately and like by role actually like working as a team, we can get the equivalent of what's like team forward. If you guys know like forward and shit from PBTA, like that right there is immediately better than 5e in that. But no, I agree. And I think that's like why I'm very picky and choosy with who I play with. And it's because of years of going to people's tables and it's like, oh, cool. So we're just going to be the murder hobos 
with no personality. All right, I mm-hmm. just wasted my Saturday night. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you pay, you paid your Saturday night to realize you never have to game with them again. Yeah. So um, let's kind of dig into. I mean, we've been kind of talking a lot. We've been kind of talking around the edges a little bit. Let's really let's get into this. Let's kind of issue some of our own takes. We've we've had some kind of thought time to explore some ideas. Let's talk about our individual takes. Like, is role-playing cops ethical? And if it is ethical, under what circumstances? And if un- and if if it's not ethical, then like why? And what what does that mean? What should we do? Like, I want to hear from specific people. Let's start with someone who hasn't talked much, and I'll let you decide who that is. Because I feel like everybody's talking. Gabe, go ahead. Oh, me? Okay. Yeah, it's um, you. I decided it's you. Everybody's too polite. The take of... Let, let, me, let me have you say that one more time, because I, I feel like I'm going to go the complete opposite direction of the way that you're asking for. Yeah, who cares? Go for it. If you want me to I, go before you, I will. Yeah, please. <laughs> okay. I'm still, I'm still like trying to I'm think of how it. I want to word this. No, 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 go ahead. Ashley, lay it on me. What you got? Um, I think that with anything that you play in a role-playing game, it depends on how you play it. So can you play a cop? Absolutely. And you can play because you don't have that institution to corrupt you and all of that. You can play it and you can be the rogue individual that's going to go out and do your thing because you're not going to have that real-life IRL influence of this whole other system that's influencing you. So if you want to play the sheriff that is protecting the town from the tentacly boys, you can do that. I don't see why not. Um, it's all in well, how you play it. If I may, yeah. I would. Uh, is the reason why not? Because then you're mythologizing an institution. Like, I mean, you could also say like, oh, I'm playing a benevolent dictator. I'm playing the one military dictator who's a philosopher king. Yeah. Right. With the, I mean, okay? there are dragons. There are literal dragons. Like, this isn't real life. So, if you want to take it and make it your own thing, you can. Now, as far as playing, I mean, if you wanted to militarize power fantasy, take it and be this, you know, lawful evil paladin or something, I don't know, where you want to take it and do the corrupt thing you can do that too like role playing is what you make it so if you want to take this thing and you want to play it a certain way you can do that so there's there's absolutely nothing that's keeping you from playing something that is seen as evil or bad in the real world and making it good i think that actually playing characters that are kind of against what they should normally be is fun i think that adds depth to it and it it makes it a lot more fun to role play it i i don't yeah i i think I think there's nothing inherently bad with wanting to like play. And I, I'm glad you went first because you can't kind of give me a platform to get this, this point that I was like trying to come up with. <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily bad. And I think it's actually kind of in a way for some people, it might be cool for them to like play like, Hey, we're actually the good cops saving, you know, the town because that's something that like, let's be real. Like that's probably never going to be the case for like most police stations. Like once, once they are fully corrupt, like that, that's, that's pretty much it. It's going to take a lot for that to turn around. So to live in this fantastical world where like, Hey, we actually are going to like root out all the evil and we're actually going to bring this kind of like justice to the police by, I don't know, like, 
finding out the police sheriff or captain or whatever is like secretly, I don't know, in a pact with Cthulhu or something. And like by going through and doing this wondrous campaign of fighting tentacles and cops and shit like that and being the saviors of the town, um, you know, that's going to fix everything. Or even being like kind of like the Western cowboys that are rooting out uh, the bandits in town and whatnot. Like, I think that if that's if that's the thing that you enjoy and you want to live in that fantasy world, like that's awesome. But at the same time, I think that while it's not required, it should be important to kind of know the implications of like what you are choosing to play versus what the reality of the situation is, mm-hmm. you know? See, so I think I, I feel I feel like with both of your first of all, I, I want to kind of touch on something that um Khaldun said when he came on about and he's talking about Dune and he's like he's like I don't need to necessarily role play my own physical my own personal philosophies all the time okay yeah. like right. I don't need there to be like a strong marxist he, he he's this is what he said I don't need there to be a strong marxist like backbone to like every game that I'm in and mm-hmm. I I completely agree I completely understand uh I actually think that there's some really interesting play in the moral dynamism of like you know, this, this question that's on the cover of every episode or every issue of the Alan Moore comic book, The Watchman, which is who watches The Watchman? What, what does it mean to be the person who exists on some level outside of law because you are the law? Like, I, I think there's a lot of story in there. However, like, I feel like with both of your examples, you the, are so kind of like used to the idea of the good guy cop good person cop that you're that I, I and this is just me and i'm don't this is not an ad hominem attack I, th- I feel like you're both being very soft on it you're you both of you are saying like it's okay to create a power fantasy in which these are the hero guys but if i was to say like well does that mean it's okay to do a power fantasy where your SS officers are the hero guys. Like what if that's my genuinely held belief and me and my friends all agree that like we sit around the table and like, we're going to play the SS and we're going to fucking clean up Germany, man. We're going to fucking save the future of the white race. There are guys who do that. There are, these are, (laughs) there are, there are games of people who do that. And I'm not, and I obviously anyone who goes out and buys the books and enters into the social contract with their friends at the table, if we're going to role play, I can't control what you're role playing. People so, can do whatever they want with their role playing game, but is it ethical? Does that is, is what I'm saying. So, so let me ask you this then, as a counterpoint. So we all here love horror and gore and all of that. What if someone told you, I think it's really fucking weird that you enjoy playing a game like Cult, where there's like flaying of skin and like satanic rituals and shit like that. Like, why don't you just play something a bit more tame, like D and D or you know, fate or something like that. Like, I think sure. it's really weird that you like to have body parts being ripped off and shit like that. Cause that's kind of how I see it too. Cause it's like, like, I don't like, I feel like my politics I wear on my sleeve a lot. Like if you know me personally and where my stance on police are in general. So it's kind of like, I don't, and it, this isn't really necessarily an attack against you or anything, but I, I don't uh-huh. feel like I have to, I have to prove how I feel about cops and stuff. And like, one of my favorite modules for World of Darkness alone is um, Tales from the 13th Precinct, where you just play cops, because I love the Great idea. Book. I grew, Absolutely yeah, fantastic I, book. Yeah, I grew up pl- 
playing Resident Evil 2 a shitload, and my favorite character was Leon, who was the cop that was stuck around zombies. Like, that was cool, because he had access to the guns and stuff. So, like, being able to play that using that reference in Sourcebook was cool to me. But at the same time, like, I also feel like I, I, I do understand where you're coming from, where it's like, maybe I am a little soft or whatever. But at the same time, it's kind of like, you know what, maybe I am. But at the same time, like this is what I want to play. I want to play the sheriff's cleaning up the town or whichever, you know, and I, it's not necessarily going to make me feel bad by doing that. That's not necessarily holding how I feel about cops in general, because, you know, and I'm not going to waste everyone's time, but like I have so many stories where I had awful run-ins with police. And again, if you know me, you know my stance on how I feel about police in general, which it's not good. <laughs> so Spoilers. Yeah. Uh, Ashley, Ashley, please react. Yeah. Um, I see. I'm having a hard time with that because the SS bad. They are bad. They yeah. did horrible things. They committed atrocities against humankind. Um, I'm not saying that the cops that cops don't do that. So I can't say like, oh, well, they're worse than cops because they're not. Cops do awful things. Clearly, sure, um, sure. So look into the Chicago black sites from just like a few years ago. And then, yeah. and then it turned out, guess what? When Joe Arpaio got taken, that turns out there were black sites in Arizona too. Womp womp. Yeah. Shocking. So, um, so that's, that's a hard one for me to answer. Honestly, is ethically, is it okay? Is it not okay? Um, is it tired? Probably. I mean, the fact that like you said, it's been, centuries of playing the cops and the robbers and things like that so can you come up with a more creative idea probably you probably could um from an ethical standpoint i wouldn't do it i would not play one of those characters but if someone at my table if someone at my table said they wanted to play a cop i would probably give them side eye but depending on how they described it and how they played it i'm not going to automatically think that they are a bad person for wanting to play oh oh sure well, I mean, someone like that. And I, I yeah. want to make sure that there's a division here between the more the morality Moral and, ethic, and yeah. the uh-huh. ethics of it, you know, mm-hmm. like and what and what is ethical behavior at our table and what is, you know, as within our groups, because, you know, full male RPG, I really believe this is a group effort. You know, everything mm-hmm. we're, we're a group here. We're a tribe. Yeah. Go on the discord and you'll see the tribe. It's, you know, uh, wonderful people. And we're all we're all working together to take care of each other. And to push each other forward, you know, and I and, and I would I don't take offense at all, Gabe, to you to you pushing back oh, yeah. on my idea. Oh no, 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 I want I want people to push back on my ideas, yeah, and I, I want to push your ideas too. That's that that's why we're I, here. You I, know, I think I, yeah, I think I like, and, and I've talked to people about this too, because like, hey, for those that don't know, I'm Hispanic, I'm Mexican, I grew up in a shit neighborhood. We had bars on our windows and our uh, backsliding door was shot out in a drive-by. So just letting you know, I'm not trying to like brag or anything, but like that's, those are the conditions I grew up in. So I was around cops a lot too. So it's like, I think that um, like rolling all the way back to like 2020 um, when all of these protests and everything were happening too, I think that um, for some, there was almost a shift too, where like I'm very pro people educating themselves and stuff about what it was like for me and you know, uh, what, it, what is it like being a person of color, especially in a state that has a lot of um, pushback against Hispanics and whatnot. Um, but at the same time, too, I also have come across people, too, which kind of irritate me where it's like they almost want to kind of like police me on like my speech and like where I go and stuff. And I'm not saying policing speech or anything is bad. I just want to say, but it's almost like 
I, I get, and I can't help it. I get this feeling of like, it took you this long to give a shit, you know? So it's like, no, like I'm going to do what I want to do. And like, I'm sorry that you just barely in the last six months started caring, but like, this is how I've been for years. And this is kind of how I feel about the subject matter and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to you guys in private kind of about, you know, like word uses mm-hmm. and shit. So you kind of know I'm not like going right wing or anything here, but like, that's kind of how I feel about certain things too. So like, um, and the only reason it made me think of is because like, if I did want to play like a, a character, like a cop, cause in, um, let me, uh, move this window um because like in uh, a game of um monster of the week uh i played pretty much the equivalent of john wick but i worked for like a secret agency and kind of stuff and i feel that like if someone was to and again i, I love you actually but like if someone was to give me side i'd kind of be like no like i'm gonna fucking play this character like <laughs> you know i grew up with police constantly like in our neighborhood beating up people of color because you know hey we lived in the fucking barrio you know so like <laughs> I, I know what the consequences of that is. My brother was harassed by a cop because he was walking around the mall. You know, it's like, you don't have to tell me that they're bad. I know they're bad for this mm-hmm. campaign. I just feel like playing a cop because it fits the story. And if I want to play a good cop, cool. If I don't want to, that's fine too. I don't necessarily need someone to tell me, hey, that's a bad thing, you know? So it's like, again, Kind of a spicy take, but I, I, I feel like since we're on that subject matter, I, that's that's kind of how I feel about it. Well, this is a you spicy know? episode. This is a spicy yeah. episode, and it's an exchange of ideas, and it's a place where we can all feel free to, we should all feel safe, you know? Right. It's a safe space for us all to express our ideas without them being considered ad hominem attacks, which is on some right. level what the, you know, the internet is kind of like lacking right now. Like, a you know, everything is, everything is a, a big right. ad hominem attack. But we're, I, I see us as like just a group of people who are attempting to uh, discover truth by testing the edges of each other's ideas. And I think right. that, Gabe, you really hit on something when you kind of threw it back in my face and was like, well, what about horror, bro? Like, why you want mm-hmm. you want to spend your Friday nights describing like the inside of a meatpacking plant only instead of beef, it's people. Humans. You know <laughs> <laughs> Like, I get it. I get it. It's just, you know, I mean, and we did a whole episode about like, is horror even an ethical genre? Is it even ethical mm-hmm. to bust out oh, a yeah. horror game and be like, be like, like, oh, there's a clown and he's killing kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What's that? What the fuck is that even about, bro? And um, I, I think that we maybe had some answers for ourselves at the time, but these answers that we feel and that we come to have a lot of room for dynamic play. We have a lot of room to take in new information and to reevaluate our feelings constantly. Um, and, and, and to put those feelings and thoughts into practice at the table and at our community, you know, um, and, and, and really to be aware of what it is that we expect from our communities and what it is that we're, uh, uh putting into our communities and taking out. Um, so I think, uh, it, we're talking a lot about just intentionality here about like, like, is it morally wrong to play a cop? No. Is it morally wrong to want to play a cop? No. Are you, what if you're that dude who shows up to every session and every time it's a new game, he goes like, my wife was killed and I was an orphan and I have a black leather jacket and I'm a cop and I gotta, yeah. gotta take the justice to the streets and 
civil rights are holding I, me back, so I'm doing it with my katana. And you're like, well, all I, right, dude. <laughs> I, I feel too <laughs> a lot of, I, I feel like too, like a lot of it comes with timing. Cause last night I was talking to uh, my girlfriend while we were playing video games and stuff, and she's she's in roller derby. And I guess one of the the roller skate brands that she uses, like she loves these skates that she uses for derby. Well, they kind of have a very Blue Lives Matter stance, which to us is like <laughs> lame, you know? No. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, you can, again, this is not my stance. This is not my stance, but in this country, you have a right to like to, to support that if you wish. Okay. I'm not going to tell you like, you can't do that. You, you can do that if you want. Okay. I fucking yeah, I don't mean, agree with you, but clearly you're like allowed to. Yeah, you're allowed to. It doesn't necessarily mean it's cool. The first but amendment the thing is, move. though, is that yeah. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. But the thing is, though, is that it's about timing, and they chose to take that stance during a very well publicized um, set of protests. The fact that you choose to state that around that time tells me your intention. And going off of like kind of what you're saying, like, is it morally okay to play a cop? No. But the thing is, though, is that if I was starting a new campaign and you chose to be a cop around the same time that these protests are going on, I would take the Ashley stance and be like, I'm going to give you some fucking side because you chose to play that character around that time. But, you know, Mm -hmm. let's rewind three years ago, four years ago. And there's not really okay. I'll say 10 years ago, just, you know, for the sake of argument. Uh And there's not much stuff. You know, let's just say it's a it's a quiet year and you choose to do that. It's going to be a lot different than summer of 2020 when people are, you know, taking to the streets in protest of George Floyd's death and stuff. And you're like, no, I'm going to be a cop. I'll be like, uh. No. <laughs> so. No, I mean, here, when we, we're talking a lot about, about um, media here, we're talking about how police policing is represented in media, and I don't think that we'd be doing our jobs if we didn't bring up The Shield, right? Are you guys all familiar with The Shield? I haven't so, watched it. I don't watch cop shows unless it's Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is now canceling uh, itself the because Marvel it knows stuff? that it's bad. So. <laughs> No, not no, Agents no. of Shield. The Shield is yeah. The Shield. The Shield was oh, a was the, for the bald dude. Yeah, Vic Mac. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the guy that used to kick down doors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a there's a there's yeah. a FX an FX like sort of uh, soap opera for males uh, called The Shield. <laughs> yeah, and it's about um, a group of super corrupt police officers in a in a um los angeles police district a fictional los, An- los angeles police district and um the the central protagonist of the show's name is vic Mackey, and his name has actually been co-opted by like a hardcore right-wing podcaster who who who, who, who very recently only very recently was he docs and it turns out he's actually a hispanic dude who calls himself vic Mackey and does like ethno-nationalist uh, white supremacist podcasting. And um, the character of Vic Mackey is racist. He's corrupt. He's fucking violent. He acts outside of of uh, uh, institutional authority and deprives people of their civil rights in every single episode. He is an interesting character because you are really torn when you're watching the show between your feeling of wanting him to succeed at what he's doing and also wanting him to fail and become punished. He's a criminal. His character is like literally over the course of like the five to seven seasons that the show takes place. His, 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 his group of, of his cell of police officers 
become a, a street gang. And the, and, and the show is about the kind of way he's digging himself in deeper and deeper with his criminal enterprises while trying to outrun, um, the, the, the consequences for them. Uh, is that show irresponsible? Potentially. <laughs> There's a fucking, yeah, cause it's, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, like, like a uh, right wing, right wing media guy is calling himself Vic Mackey. Right mm-hmm. now, now, as we as 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 as, as Caldoun pointed out in the Dune episode, right wingers are like notoriously uh, uh, dense about satire. They're notoriously dense about symbolism. I genuinely think that if you watch The Shield, it's a show about the failures of policing. It's a show that's very much about the fact that the cops are a gang, but it's also a soap opera. And it also, you're, you'll, there'll be times when you're, it's, it's, it's a very high tension soap opera and you're sitting on the edge of your seat and you're like, Oh God, how's Vic going to get out of this pickle? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so it's, Vickle. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of gray area in here. There's a lot of play. Um, uh, Richard, we haven't heard from you in a minute, man. It seems like you kind of wanting to wrap this up. Seems well, like I, like I, I, I had my my statement about role playing a cop, and I think this is oh, kind yeah. of this, the same. This is the same thing I think we could say for most of these uh, genre, most of these episodes. Is uh, I think that the point of this these episodes and the point of talking about them is playing cops. At, if you're going to play a cop, be informed. Be informed. Yeah. Don't don't be tone deaf. That's like literally we could just like post that every time we say political game. Don't be tone deaf. Yes. Um, That's really my summation statement. That's what I was trying to do when I was playing a cop recently. I was trying not to be tone deaf about what I was doing, but also trying to stop the uh, terrible undead god from coming back to life and killing everyone. You know, that sounds tight as fuck. It was it's it's rad. We're getting close to finishing, uh, <laughs> and then I have a couple questions from the patrons. Oh, so, let's hear them. Okay. Well, uh, here, here, how about this? How about this? I will real quick come in with my thought, and okay. then we'll hit the, hit the questions. Which is, I think uh, policing as an institution is an interesting story form. I obviously I don't believe in topics that are off limits. I'm a big advocate for cult, as Gabe pointed out. I'm a big advocate for um, genre pushing. I'm a big advocate for transgressive role-playing. Of course, you have to have the consent of your table. Of course, you have to have safety tools. I still believe that cops are and, and the nature of what law and order is and the nature of what criminality is, these are like, I mean, fucking Nabokov like, wrote about this shit, you know, Tolstoy wrote about this shit. What what is what what is what is the nature of crime? You know. So so clearly, I think that these things should be on the table as tools for us to express ourselves with. And as Richard said, it's beholden upon ourselves to make sure that we're telling stories that are rich and multifaceted. And it's important upon it's, it's beholden upon us to be responsible with what we do with them. If you're a GM man, no, I mean this is what goes down. This just like you said with every episode, know what story you're telling. Do some deconstruction on yeah. your own fucking story before you tell it. Don't be a chud. Just don't be a fucking chud. You know, if you want to yeah. play like a fucking, if you want to play a cop, you want to play a dirty cop. 
play a dirty cop, but 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 that better be a fucking horror game. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to have fucking spooky ghosts, but it does mean <laughs> that there has to be some horror in it. The horror of what this institution does to people, the the way that it grinds up the people that are inside of it. Let's have some questions, RBK. All right. I just uh, want to say real quick, yeah. I love when you go spooky ghosts. You, <laughs> you bust that out a lot, and it's like one of my favorite things. Oh, well, why thank you. Um, so uh, from Kirby, again, uh, do you do institutions a f- – yeah. do you institute a form of systematic oppression in your games as a eth- – ethical hurdle for the world and the players to live in or is that too real genuine curious about that my my hot take on that just right out the gate is that's that's something you have to be very very careful with okay so i'm gonna kind of roll this back to what ashley when i kind of was like i was like riddle me this ashley what about (laughs) the ss officers um in the 1990s white wolf came out with a book called uh charnel houses of the showa and it was a book for Wraith that where you can play Wraiths that live in Auschwitz, right? Ooh. This is a and this book has a lot of, yeah, right? You're you're the ghosts of the victims of a death camp. And there's mm-hmm. uh, and there's and there's Ooh. other there's there's Nazi ghosts there, there's Holocaust ghosts there. What do you do when you're in the fucking death camp ghost world? Some people have come out real strongly and said this book exists as an intellectual exercise to read and it does not exist for anything else. You should never play this book. And they have kind of gone on to be like, you're a bad person if you play this book. I disagree. I think if you want to play the book, you can play the book. Okay. I think if you want to run Gabe's Vietnam game of we're in the jungle uh, and we got sweat running down our face and we're addicted to morphine and and you want to play mine, this, but <laughs> yeah, if you want to no. play these games, you can play these games, but you have a real ethical responsibility to the content that's in them. Yeah. As a GM and as a player, and everyone's gotta be on the same page. Now that's not me writing a little note from like Full Metal RPG to all the Edge Lords saying, "Oh, well, Full Metal RPG said I can do whatever I want. You're gonna do whatever you want anyway." Mm-hmm. What I'm really saying is, is like, you have to question yourself, man. Am I gonna do service to this to this subject matter? Am I really? Are my players gonna do subject services subject matter? Are they really? What is the potential I have to harm somebody with this at the game table? People do get harmed at the game table. It's happened. I've hurt. I've hurt people at the game table. Confession time. I've, I have. You know, that's real shit, and it needs to be considered. But that having been said, I think you know art is art. You're going to do your art with your friends. If everybody consents to the art, play it. Play it out. What do you guys think? That's kind of what I, I was thinking. Was like it needs to be an upfront conversation. If you're going to have this, like we, we pl- call it Cthulhu. We play in the 1930s, 1920s. We have characters that are women and of color. Do we like have these, you know, the more the, I mean, these institutions of misogyny and racism still exist yeah. and are still a thing, but they're not as expressed and upfront as they would have been in earlier time periods. We generally 
don't think that's fun to play, so we don't play those things. Yes, yeah, that's that's important too because I don't think anyone would ever really feel comfortable with like the GM being like, "Oh, you're a woman. You're not supposed to be on the police force. You're supposed to be at home." Like kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like no one is ever going to find that fucking fun or cool. Like if you bust that out at the table. So. Well, unless you're unless you're uh, unless the point of the game is to fight these things, right? Yeah, it, it's fun to fight those things. I mean, I have like game like Velvet Glove, right? Or uh, which is like you're a all female gang fighting against the misogyny of the world, right? If I uh, uh, if I'm playing the game master for that, I'm kind of like <laughs> I kind of you know you have to bring it, or otherwise, what's the point of this game the point at least from the design perspective other than to play a cool all-female gang which would be fun nonetheless but it's just it's game it's written a certain awesome. way um but yeah sorry ashley go ahead <laughs> oh it's okay um gabe to your point of saying that no one finds that fun unfortunately there are a lot of tables who would find exactly that a lot of fun um uh, i just don't play at those tables <laughs> yeah it's it, yeah, it goes I, back to making sure that you know who you're playing with and having that upfront conversation um yeah. i have I have kind of mm, a couple of campaigns I'm in have kind of a blend of the same people and just different, you know, organizational. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, unfortunately there are people that find that fun. And also when it comes to whether or not you should be GMing something like that, Richard, when you were talking about, you know, Velvet Glove and all of that, I think that when, when you are creating art or you're, creating anything and putting it out there one of the things that you should be asking yourself um is my voice the one that needs to be heard you know am i the one who really should be putting this out there because i think that there's something to be said for using your your privilege like like i said i am a white woman and i have never had any bad experiences directly when it came with cops except for when it was through my ex-husband who was mexican so there is something to be said for using my privilege to bring awareness to things. But instead of me being the one saying it, I can be a megaphone for other people so that you can hear their voices and their stories instead. So I think that that's important for us to remember, too. Right. And that that's, that's the kind of thinking about there's a bunch of games on this back wall that yeah. could, could be very much in that same vein. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so did I was going to get to this next question here. Uh, yeah, yeah. This next question is good. Uh, any th- uh, not, this that, is from- not that the other one wasn't. This no, is no, it's a great. That was a great <laughs> question uh, from Noland. Uh, any thoughts on relative on relatively private investigate uh, represent? Ah, I could I could really use a reading lesson. Uh, <laughs> any thoughts on relatively private representations of cops in home? Uh, RPGs versus in movies, TV, actual play, is there responsibility in the more public fora? I mean, my my initial answer to this is, um, well, clearly, like, the primary place where role-playing games take place is in private with your friends or your relatives or your game club or whatever. And like I said, Full Mill RPG is not going to, like, tell people how to run their games or what they can. We're not like going to, we're not minority report. We're not going to suddenly descend from the ceiling on, in, on hooks with tickets. <laughs> you know, go, 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 go. <laughs> you can play whatever you want to play. Um, and that is up to the table. That's up to what the people at the table consent to and what kind of theoretical situations they all want to explore. 
is there more responsibility in a public forum? Yes, 100%. Absolutely. I would never run a police oriented game at a con. I would never run. I might, I might still run Delta green for my friends, you know, in a few months or in a year or something when we've had some time to really cool things down and to, and I have an opportunity to present uh, an institution that is deeply problematic and that that's part of the game. that The characters have to navigate a problematic institution and that part of the horror is their response to the problematic to the, that problematic institution. If I'm doing a con game, I'm not going to run Delta green. I'm not going to sit down in three hours, try and encapsulate that. I'm not going to run the risk of encountering some chud that wants to play dirty Harry or fucking yeah. Batman or whatever. I'm just not doing it. I'm not putting myself in that position. And I would kind of strongly recommend that other people don't either. You know, um, this tends to be a kind of self-selecting crowd. I'm saying like, Maybe let the people who are into that kind of shit self-select and kind of, you know, so we know who they are. That's just me. Yeah. It goes back to knowing who you're playing with. I'm very careful about the tables I play with. Like, I don't know that I would sit down at a game at a table at a convention. You know, like I've run them, but I don't know that I would go and sit down with someone who I didn't already know. Yeah. 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 Seriously. I go to Gen Con. I lay down my tickets to play fucking... Mm-hmm. something like that and i have to, have to deal with some chuttery it's not gonna be a good scene i right. run a lot of uh trail of cthulhu at uh cons mm-hmm. at least i used to and um i think trail i'd still probably run trail because that is again kind of the more pre-police archetype kind of investigators and i'm still mostly fine with investigators i think while, while i have opinions on the investigative role playing as a genre mm-hmm investigators i'm fine with gabe do you have thoughts yeah i think you have a higher risk of like you said encountering chuds which i'm happy you use that term because i use that a lot too uh you have a higher risk of uh, encountering chuds and shit at like cons if it's something police oriented um because like oh boy um I mean, I still encounter this a lot too. Like, you know, I go to a shop or someone finds out I play D and D or something. And then immediately it becomes a fucking dick measuring contest. And I'm like, dude, I I'm like 31. I don't care if you have more books than me or if you, you know, know the rules more than me, like cool. So like you're going up against that. And then you're also going up against the potentiality of like someone coming and being like super pro cop. If like, they're like, all right, so you guys are cops and you're in LA. My initial reaction is going to be like, well, that's fucking lame. And then the last thing I need to deal with is someone being like, well, why is it lame? You know, so I'm not going to yeah. let that like drag me down if I'm paying to go to like uh, Gen Con or like, you know, anything else. So I think I would just avoid it. But if for some reason my buddy, um, who I've been friends with since like fifth grade, you know, we share the same politics and stuff. And he's like, hey, you want to play? Uh, I think it's called... Um, spirit of 77 or something it's basically a pbta game where you're basically all playing um like cops in the 70s and like shit like that it's like oh that sounds fun and i know i'm not gonna have a bad time because i know who i'm playing with going off of what everybody said which is know your table yeah i'd probably be cool with that but outside of the like my own doors or my friend's doors hell no (laughs) like there's just way (laughs) too many opportunities to just have a bad time oh yeah 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 richard what are your thoughts man i think that um you know, I, I would prefer if, you know, whether it was public or private game that it was informed, like <laughs> at least in the in the in the world of now, like I know that we should have been informed a long time ago. We've seen this forever. Like there's no point in the future that I can see right at the moment where playing uh, like 
Delta Green will be any different than it is right now or was a long t- unless the institution of policing has changed in such a radical way that that we don't even recognize it today uh, that that these these stories the and hot the, take I love it right these stories and these uh, characters are intrinsic to the fabric of popular culture. Uh, they have been forever since there was authority figures. So, like, I mean, knights are f- knights. Knights are effectively cops because what they do yeah. is they they take they go and make sure that you're plowing that field for the Lord when they're not off trying to be you know save somebody right, which is also another they, problem. They, they collect taxes, right? They tax collect taxes collectors. and they enforce the 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 law of the fiefdom. So. The, the the idea that we can get away from uh, using these tropes at all, like, I think it's so embedded that it's impossible at this point unless something oh, yeah. radical happens. So to me, just knowing what you're doing, being informed is – and it doesn't matter whether it's a public or private game – is the way forward. And that's uh, – you know, I think – if you're doing it in public, say like with an actual play, you want to get a lot of <laughs> you want to get a lot of bad feedback and maybe get canceled, canceled, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you do do a cop game. See how long that lasts nowadays. So, uh, <laughs> but Richard and I have like have contrary views. He's still. He still wants to kind of like reach out and kind of like rehab some of these fuckers. I'm too much. I've I've I've, I've I've wasted too much hot air on them. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. No, I, 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 I want to hear people's opinions, whether I disagree with them or not. So yeah. what I do with that information uh, is a different yeah. thing altogether. So. Oh yeah, indeed. Indeed. I, what you do, Indeed. Um, go ahead, Gabe. You have one last point. Yeah. Yeah. Just one last point. Just, uh, since, uh, he had, he had mentioned kind of like the whole night thing and like, um, just like your overall stance. I, I think too, that it, it's so entrenched, um in also like what Brennan was saying like it's so entrenched in our media where it's like cops are good cops are your friends like yeah fucking paw patrol and shit for kids like starting them young kind of a thing um that i also it's like a fucking kids show where there's like dogs that are cops and they protect puppy uh, town or some oh, shit paw patrol i thought you said yeah, like, yeah. papa troll no pa uh, <laughs> i, I but, play a lot of miniatures yeah. games sorry guys <laughs> like who what's this game <laughs> no, no no but all i'm getting at quickly is that i think too that like no matter what um we're so entrenched in it that you're always going to have those like those people that are going to be there to protect it and preserve that type of thing, no matter how far away we try to distance ourselves from like the normalcy of like, Hey, let's play a game where there's like cops and we're beating people up kind of a thing. Like there will be people forever and always that will defend that, you know, like, I mean, fucking look at LOTFP. LOTFP has made themselves very, very like aware of where their stances and shit are. And like, there are always going to be the edgelords that are like, if you don't like it, it's because you're too soft. And it's like, nah, dude, we just don't like the fact that you're defending a horrible person and like giving him money and shit. Like mm. that type of stuff, that type of defense will always be there for that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take your stance against that. It's just that that type of issue will, it's just not going to go anywhere. There will always be people that will gatekeep, that will try to keep people out of certain games and shit like that. And it's just, I'm kind of like in the sense, like with Brendan, where it's like, I've just wasted my time trying to like talk to certain <laughs> people because those people will just, 
if you're not with us, you're against us. And it's like, all right, cool, man. Have fun, like, having no friends because you're shitty, shitty opinions, so. <laughs> well, do we have any other closing thoughts here? Uh, Ashley, Richard? I like the point that Richard made about um, unless things drastically, there's not really ever going to be a good climate to play that kind of game because um, it just made me think of, like, scar tissue. Like, it's just basically a whole shit ton of scar tissue on the skin that is role-playing and just society in general and um trying to work around that scar tissue is going to be very difficult so i don't know what that's going to look like for the future of media or gaming or anything in general well if there's one thing i've learned over the past seriously like 30 years of role-playing it's that um role-playing games have an amazing power to breathe imagery into media and if you look at the vampire the masquerade role-playing books that I was dinking around with in the early nineties. It was, it wasn't even the two thousands. It was the late nineties. By the time the gamers who had been influenced by those books started finding their way into Hollywood and they started Mm -hmm. translating those stories into much bigger dreams that could be consumed by far more people and to incept those ideas into the sort of like mass dreaming conscience of the world. And so as a, as communities, as like cells of people, groups of people, we have an obligation to the myths that we make, the storytelling that we that we do together, what we create, and then breathing that out into the world. And I think that role playing sort of weirdly has the potential to just like to change a lot. And so let's let's use the role-playing games that we do to change the world that is beyond us, whether it's five years from now, 10 years from now, a hundred years from now, uh, our collective action has the possibility to breathe new worlds into existence. And, uh, if, uh, feudal landholder, if you could go back in time and explain to him hypercapitalism, I'm pretty sure it was fucking Richard that said this to me. Maybe it was somebody else. They'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. That will never happen. That will never happen. The divine right of king is forever. Exactly. But it was over. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, their world ended. And this world that we have created, that we have breathed into existence, will will come to an end. What will be the next one that we will create with our stories and with our actions? Um, on my way out, I just want to say this was a great episode. Thank you to everyone who chimed in. Thank you to Richard for putting it together. Thank you to Gabe for making the time. Thank you to Ashley for your well thought out opinions as always. Um, we uh, will no doubt get some bad emails from this one because there will no doubt be some, some people who they thought we were their friends and they will find out that we are not and they will write us sad, tearful emails and we've been getting we've been getting some of those lately. Ha <laughs> ha. It turns out when you do stuff like this, people um, don't like you. But what that means is, is that we actually got a bunch of bad reviews on our podcast by people who were like, oh, you made me so angry with your thoughts. We, if you have good thoughts about Full Metal RPG and you have not left a review on iTunes, we could really use your help right now. We are down to, I think, a 4.5, which is the lowest the show has ever been. Um, and it's all due to chuds. So if you want to really like wreck a chuds day, like, can you come and maybe leave us some good reviews? That'd be really nice. That's if you like what we do. Uh, also check out all the stuff, uh, our link tree in the show notes, uh, check out our Patreon, our discord, our, uh, 
our website, whatever. What you, you have? What's up, Richard? Well, I was gonna I was gonna point out one more thing that the cops uh, did that might have helped us all is teach us what drugs look like. And so, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted, to, I, wanted find to, them. I wanted to post up that we have a T-shirt where I have we teach people what RPGs look like. So I have <laughs> made a Full Metal RPG T-shirt that looks like a program that the cops ran to try to tell us drugs were bad. Uh, those so, fools. So those fools. <laughs> we have a beautiful. We have a beautiful version of that T-shirt up on our T Public. Uh, Go to fullmetalrpg.com and click on this is where we sell merch. Oh, uh, man. And, and it is. I love the T-shirt because it's one of those things where people will take a double double take because they think you're wearing a deep old you know vintage dare T-shirt. And then, uh, <laughs> no, it's our T-shirt. So I love wearing it. But uh, I just want to I just want to make a pitch for that because there is some things that, you know, we can all appreciate there. So <laughs> I, I remember real quick, real quick, real quick. I remember being in sixth grade and like Dare had us watch this like video. And it was a cartoon of kids exploring the like dangers of drugs. And they showed this kid sitting on his couch playing like, you know, like a shitty like video game or something. And they're like, this kid is stoned. He smoked marijuana. Now all he does is play video games all day. And I was like, that sounds fucking awesome. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's like the Star Trek episode where Tasha Yar was trying to teach uh, young Wesley Crusher about drugs. She's just like, sometimes it just makes you feel good. And I was like, is this a like against? Is this an anti-drug thing? Or yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I met Denise Crosby once. She's great. Nice. She's, she's on the cruise every year and she's drunk the entire time. She's drunk Aunt Denise and she's just out dancing and having a great time. And I love she's- her. She's super great. She's, she's when awesome. I was a kid, I didn't care much for Tasha Yar, but as an mm-hmm. adult, I have I've uh, revised my my take. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. Thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you for listening to this show. Thank you for making it all the way to the very fucking end. Uh, <laughs> we love you. We thank you for listening, for your support. Thank you to our patrons. Have a good night. Bye. Rah.